Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Monday. Welcome to Finsider Radio. We've been waiting so long to echo that line, and here we are. We finally get to say it. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Jake and Josh Show, where we are going to dissect, complain, and celebrate Miami's 16-10 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. But before I do all that, it'd be impossible for me to do it alone. So Joshua Houts, get in here. How's it going today, man? It's going great, Jake. I know a lot of people are kind of down on this victory. I mean, we're going to dissect it like Crazy you mentioned, people. but yeah, uh, but we're 4-3, man. It's Victory Monday, and we are back on a Monday, right? I think maybe we come on here every time the Dolphins win, so maybe we should just stick to that. And then if, you know, they, they lose, we're just, you know, moping around on Monday. We'll come on Tuesday. But yeah, man, I'm stoked to be able to talk about this game. And let's be honest, man, it was beautiful seeing, you know, the stadium, the colors, you know. Being on primetime, hearing the players, you know, introduce themselves, everything about last night, you know, except for, I guess, the play on the field was pretty damn awesome to witness. Yeah, Tua Tagovailoa returns to the starting lineup. The Dolphins snap their three-game slide. And Josh, from the Dolphins communication department, here's a little bit of a flex. The Dolphins are now 9-1 and one in their past 10 games at Hard Rock Stadium. The best 10-game home stretch since 2001. And, and Josh, that's a pretty exciting stat when you think about that sustained ex- success. But shouldn't the stat say... The Dolphins and the Sun are now 9-1 and in their last 10 games at home? It, it should, but I guess at this point now, this kind of debunked that, that right? Dark, now now we could, yeah, maybe they'll blame the moon this time. Was it a full moon? You know, maybe <laughs> it's a little... Pr- but yeah, man, that's crazy. I think they're also, what, 20-9 and nine overall now in Sunday night football, and we finally beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. We talked about it being this kind of a revenge game. I don't know that it really was. We did see Brian Flores pregame talking to some of the players, but Tua was asked at the end of the game, did you run into him? Nope. But back to Tua, man, this was his comeback. You know, it looks so beautiful watching him in the throwbacks. But right out the gate, right, man, it felt like this thing was going to be, you know, we were going to run away from this thing, pedal to the metal. I spelled pedal wrong on Twitter, but it felt like everything was going right (laughs) on that first drive for sure, man. Hey, let's just do it. I think there's a lot of things to talk about in all three phases. And obviously the three phases today are offense, defense, and coaching. Um, Shout out Jason Sanders, three for three on field goals. Uh, All of them were beneath 50 yards. So, uh consistencies there but i don't think we have to spend too much time talking about money that, sign Josh. money sign question mark can we put like a cents sign somewhere i don't think he's a dollar sign yet i think he's still like some change i'm i'm Once sad a 50 I'm, I'm sad i'm looking at the keyboard seeing is there a cent sign i'm like uh how, how would i do that yeah we'll, we'll do cents we'll do that this first quarter that the dolphins put on last night man it was absolutely incredible and i think it kind of changed the tone about this win when you really think about it because that offense came out absolutely fire and tua uh and tyreek and waddle are just marching down the field on that first drive before raheem moster he's uh, i think it's just a out route and up and i mean Tua escapes pocket brings him in for a touchdown wow i cannot talk but josh the dolphins have 10 first downs in the first quarter they scored 
13 points, two field goals, and a touchdown. Um, I got to ask you, man, that first quarter, it had to be hype from the 1972 team, right? That's how locked in they were. I think there was so much adrenaline jumping through that stadium. I think that's why that first quarter was so different in favor of the Dolphins. I'm not saying, you know, uh, in a neutral field, Pittsburgh would have come out and, and they'd be leading 10 nothing. But I think you could seriously tell that when, you know, you use the throwbacks, and I think this is why I wanted to stay throwbacks, you see that magic, you see the um, – Honoring the 72 team, you hear the two a chance. I think this team, I mean, was so gassed up and ready to go in that first quarter. I don't know if you saw it, Jake, but pregame, they showed two of Mike McDaniel. They're getting ready to walk off the field, and two went over and kind of dapped up some of the 72 guys. So I was kind of joking. Maybe like it was like Space Jam with the Monstars, right? He stole their powers because at one point, you know, two tried to truck over someone like he was Larry Zonka. But <laughs> dude, right out of the gate, I mean, that team was moving, and you do wonder. How much of this is because it was the scripted plays? You know, we talk about how these teams go into these games with, what, 15, 20 plays, you know, predetermined, you know, where they kind of see the way the game flows. I mean, they looked automatic on that first drive, right? It, uh, yeah. According to the Miami Dolphins communication departments, the Miami Dolphins drove 71 yards on nine plays, uh, took four minutes and 15 seconds off the clock, and then scored that touchdown, like you mentioned. To Raheem Mostert, Tua went 6-7 for 68 yards, and um, I thought he looked automatic, man. I mean, I thought he looked like he came right out guns ablaze. And I mean, that was the drive where I think some of his passes, you know, looked like the two of old, because as we'll mention, as the game kind of progressed, you know, two was kind of off with some of his passes. You kind of see the rust there. But I mean, this offense right out of the gate, man, got us all hyped up. And I thought we were going to run away with this thing like 31 nothing or something. It definitely had that feel to it. But uh, Josh, the issue that quickly came in, despite the fact that the Dolphins, I mean, statistically, they're, they're heavy duty monsters. I, I mean, what Tua leads the league in yards per attempt I think the Dolphins are fourth in the league in yards per play I think they're 10th in yards but the issue is they're down at 19th when it comes to scoring and and Josh to me that's where things get a little frustrating and that's where I think this game could have looked totally different because if the Dolphins score 21 points in that first quarter and score three the rest of way rest of the way I don't think we're sitting here talking about that you know offense and their struggles but the fact that you get into the red zone and, and you get those opportunities to get seven and to have them sputter out of control twice where you kick two field goals. And then after that, for the offense to completely disappear, that doesn't, I mean, yes, I think we saw some two of rust. I saw, I think we saw some drops, especially from someone like Chase Edmonds, but man, like, let's not forget how great of a coach Mike Tomlin is, right? You know, people right after the game wanted to come out and be like, Brian Flores is this mediocre linebacker coach for a mediocre team. All but two of Pittsburgh's games have been decided by six points or less. I mean, yes, they got walked over by Buffalo, but I think to kind of be that team, if the Dolphins want to be that team, it's scoring those three touchdowns in the first quarter. I think if you kick those field goals, you're already getting the idea of, hey, maybe this defense is a little better than once we thought. I can guarantee you the Pittsburgh defense is better than that, what, 38-3 to game. The difference is Buffalo's that team that's ready for the Super Bowl, so they can get that extra eight yards into the end zone for six points instead of being that team that's figuring it out like Miami is settling for three yeah and sometimes I mean it just seems like Mike McDaniel might be getting into his head but um you're right man this was like you know two guys that you kind of go into these matchups you know kind of feeling one another out I mean Mike McDaniel said straight up at the end of the game they need to do better at adjusting offensively because I mean like you mentioned man that defense kind of buckled down and looked like the Pittsburgh Steelers defense of old and um I'm gonna joke but you don't know how much you know Brian Flores you know sitting there saying look I can see to his tendencies you know whatever here or there the way they were bracketing those outside receivers I mean they did have a pretty darn good game plan 
and just kind of keep things, you know, under wraps. And they, you know, took away some of those deep plays that we kind of wanted. Um, unfortunately, you know, Tua was off. We got to mention there were a couple drop interceptions, right? I kind of joked that this was kind of like the Madden. I don't know. You haven't, you haven't played the new Playing Madden, on right, Jake? And, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Well, well, there was this huge issue with like just throwing picks like crazy. They have an interception slider now. I was joking. This is like turning that thing all the way down because those defensive backs for the Steelers were just dropping, you know, some clear interceptions. But um, I guess – Maybe it's an excuse or not, but I think this is kind of what maybe us fans should have expected from Tua coming back, you know, with no live reps. You know, I think Mike McDaniel said at the end of the game, he has not seen a live practice since before that Buffalo game. And that's just crazy to me. And that's kind of another reason to keep this all in the, in, into perspective, right? Because you have Tua coming off the injury. I think you could tell the difference on, um, you know, just how fast this is again, sounds like an excuse, but I think there's something to it. Uh, just how fast Tyree kill runs and, and Tua and him weren't on the same page. I mean, Jalen Waddle made some incredible catches and he would have had incredible runs if the ball was placed a little differently. And, I think there was just so many things at play here. And it's important to keep in mind that the team could have still been up 21 to nothing. And we're not like they won. I'm I'm very happy today. I'm very happy. But I think it's kind of interesting to talk about where the Miami Dolphins stand now and, and where they need to get in order to score those two extra touchdowns. And this is kind of you see the way to beat Tua, right? Like no quarterbacks unstoppable. And, and this is how you do it. You see him get a little confused. Um, and then that leads to the bad mistakes, right? It's not the fact the interceptions were dropped. It's the fact that those balls were being thrown straight at defenders. And that's, I guess, the next step. I'd, I'd love to see it if, you know, you space Pittsburgh after like three weeks of rest. It just seemed to me there was just so much going on. There was just so many, uh, you know, different perspectives perspectives of this game just kind of going in different directions and I think that's just kind of important to keep in mind here as you're trying to deal with a rookie head coach who's trying to figure things out as your quarterbacks recover from concussions as Tron Armstead just continues to be a stud so we don't even have to talk about that but overall man uh this is a team that I think has those growing pains I think we cannot you know just overlook and think that Mike McDaniel is already like this knowledge guru just because of those first three games because what we saw was great but Nathaniel Hackett isn't as out of the ordinary as a rookie head coach is like, they're all going to make these mistakes. And it's the fact we're seeing them and the fact that Miami can win from them. I think that's pretty special. And it's a little easier too, Josh, when you have someone like Raheem Mostert, who's averaging 4.9 yards per carry on 16 attempts. And that's, that's his fourth straight game with 16 attempts. So that's just another one where you can hope someone's a little more consistent on this offense that you can lean on. Yeah, Jake and Raheem Mostert, I mean, he's been, you know, a blessing in disguise. I mean, again, we kind of should have assumed that because this is an offense that he's so familiar with. Carried the ball 16 times for 79 yards, had that reception for a touchdown. I mean, and at this point, I have no idea why we'd even want to see Chase Edmonds at this point. I mean, I know, you know, we all kind of know that he's better than what we're seeing on the field, but dropping some of these passes in key situations is absolutely inexcusable. And we're talking about running the football, and I don't want to spiral too out of control because I do want you to talk about Raheem Mostert, but Jake, Tua Tungvaluwa about said before in this game that he he was going to, you know, protect himself and not do some of those things. We talked about him trying to truck over a guy. He was diving for a first down. And, you know, when you're watching that game, you're like, come on to it, don't do that. But it's the competitor in right, man. If you see the first down marker there, you're going to try tooth and nail to get that thing. And I just feel like I'm a little bit torn. Like you don't want him to, you know, put his body on the line, but at the same time, you don't want him to slide short of that third down marker. And to see him being questioned after every game, it seemed, I think question on the podium, he's questioned post game. Like he's being scalded for trying to, to get a first down, you know, when some of these other quarterbacks would do, you know, have no issues doing that. And it's so important to keep in mind that we're all sitting on our nice comfy couches when we're doing this, because if Tua was to think about, I don't know, 80% of the decisions he doesn't think about and does on instinct, he wouldn't be an NFL quarterback. 
I don't think we realize how much instinct is involved. It's like when you see someone swing at a fastball that's, you know, up at your forehead and you think, oh, I wouldn't have done that. It's instinct. You're kind of preparing for yourself and you're just relying on what you know. So I, I understand, like, you don't want him headbutting Devin Bush. Of course not. That is so silly. But at the same time, like, you're either all in or you're all out. That's kind of the situation you're in as someone who's playing football, right? You cannot play scared or you're going to get hurt. You cannot sit there, stop and think and let the game go by you or you're not going to be on the field. It is a really, really rocky situation. And I get both sides. But one thing that's I think people are com- continue to forget is Tua knows all like he knows the concerns. Right. I think that's kind of the big thing we should have taken away from this week that all the people who cleared him. It doesn't matter that they cleared him. It's the fact he learned so much and he knows what he's getting himself into. He knows how it affects him long term. And to go on the field and still do it, all of a sudden the ball's in his court. He gets paid money to do his job and you got to let him do that at a certain point. Yeah, and we could let's just say he was pretending that Devin Bush on that play he was kind of seeing Brian Flores there. And I think he went over to the sideline and said, I'm sorry, coach, I needed to get that out of my system. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a little bit conflicted there. I just hated how he's getting, you know, interrogated for trying to you know get a first so, down yeah back to the run game though man I, again chase Edmonds, i all off season long i kind of hyped him up you know did some breakdowns of his video at this point should we not be you know maybe wondering why miles gaskin's not active and wondering why you know salvanock meds not getting reps i know they signed lamaiko perine to the uh practice squad uh what was it last week and um mm-hmm. i'm gonna throw it out there you know because i'm i'm going with it but kareem, kareem hunt, you know they're, yeah, they're, yeah yeah <laughs> you knew it because i was gonna trade with fantasy and i'm like wait dude if you trade him a week before he goes to the dolphins you would just you know hate your life so um what, what are your thoughts there jake man that's a tough one they they don't want to give up on chase Edmonds. i think he still had seven rushing attempts and the two targets obviously both targets um one we could kind of if we wanted to really like uh deliberate on it we could say all right it's half to his fault half Edmonds but I think there was one that was pretty obvious it just kind of fell right off his fingertips and it's a little bit troubling man because you paid him a lot of money um I think there were conversations I think we spoke about it in our book club the difference between even running an inside zone scheme versus an outside zone scheme and, and that too is a whole nother can of worms to open up I don't know if we're going to trade for a running back I don't know if Kareem Hunt's even that fit and Josh let me ask you this are we really confident that the Miami Dolphins after the last seven years would pick the right Raheem Mostert's been awesome let me let me say that first but are we really confident for with the Malcolm Browns and the Matt Breedas and everybody else who's walked through that door that they're gonna pick the right guy for some sort of relatively expensive price tag probably not no I I, <laughs> I I don't know if they will and Kareem Hunt I mean I think they'd only have him then for what like it's, he's a rental this year and then he's probably gonna hit free agency and go somewhere to be an RB1 and let's be honest I mean if we're gonna invest any money in giving up picks it's gonna most likely be on a cornerback you know maybe linebacker help offensive line which Jake I mean you can go down the list here but Connor Williams has been playing out of his mind I don't know if you saw the pro football focus grades going around but I think he finished with a 93 overall 93.3 run block 79.1 pass block I mean the guy's mauling dudes and yes I know you know to the to us just watching the game you see some of those snaps you know they go a little haywire but who cares you know once that ball's in the quarterback's hands I mean he's been absolutely awesome so you got to tip your hat there and I thought Brandon Shell played a little bit better and I do think you know we saw a lot of Mostert success going on that left side of that line obviously to run Armstead played a massive role in that but I guess maybe tip your hat to Liam Eikenberg a little bit I, I don't know maybe I'm crazy for that one uh, Liam Eikenberg, I think he did have two penalties though, which is a little frustrating, but man, that offensive line didn't allow another, a sack, like for everything we want to gripe about, um, we can want more from 
from this team, obviously. But when you when you look at the big picture here, the offensive line played well. The the run games come together. I think the biggest concern lose, uh, winning this game sixteen to ten is when are we going to see like this creative, uh, mindful red zone package? Because that just isn't there yet. That might have to do with Tua not having these live practices or whatever it may be. Uh, but Josh, overall, generally speaking, I mean, teams or touchdowns are down. Teams are averaging about 2.2 per game in the NFL. So I get us wanting more from this offense in total. Uh, but all things considered, prime time facing a, a I'm going to still say a relatively tough opponent. I, I think we both saw a pathway for this to be like a 30 to 10 game, but it's clear that the Dolphins aren't ready to be in that category to be up 21 to nothing on a team. Not yet. And again, I mean, maybe we should expect this. A rookie head coach, you know, Tua being out, you know, being back in the lineup. And again, against a very good Pittsburgh Steelers defense. I mean, we mentioned how Pittsburgh kind of stymied them, you know, kind of held what kept us intact, took away that big play. Still got to tip your hat to what Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill are able to accomplish. Ty- Tyree Kill is still the lead uh, leader in receiving yards, and I think uh, Jalen Waddle's still right behind him. So again, two players that are just have been absolutely fantastic. You kind of thought maybe Jalen Waddle could have took one to the house if Tua threw that one, you know, where he's kind of crossing threw it a little bit high. <laughs> Jalen Waddle had to go up if someone put it on a ladder to come down with that one. But these guys have been sensational, and I can't wait to see again wait, the way this offense progresses moving forward. Jake, I think we talked enough about the offense. Let's jump into a break, and when we come back, let's talk about this Miami Dolphins defense that held the Pittsburgh Steelers to 10 points in Sunday's victory. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. The Dolphins defense, Joshua, entered Sunday Night Football with one interception. That number ballooned to three on Sunday. No Byron Jones. It was a little upset to see Brandon Jones suffered an injury. But man... Javon Holland came out of nowhere for a first pick. We had Justin Bethel catch one over his shoulder for a pick. And to seal the game, Josh, to seal Miami's victory in Pittsburgh, Iggy Island, Noah Igbenogany interception in the end zone to put away the Steelers. To Because I know, Josh, you were like me. We were both sitting there horrified that the Dolphins were going to lose this game 17-16. to Oh, yeah. And I think I forget who it was. One of the beat writers or someone that covers the team said, you know, I've seen this enough times before to know that the Dolphins are going to lose on a quarterback draw. And I just thought, why are you tweeting that right now, man? Like, come on. But, dude, we I mean, we talked about it. And I mean, it was pretty clear as day, right? You need to take away as the Dolphins had to produce 
more takeaways than what we've seen. But, I mean, Justin Bethel stepping up and coming down with one. I thought he played pretty well, to be completely honest. That Javon Holland one, I thought, personally, sealed the game. But it was Noah Igbenogany, and we can joke, Noah Aggie Island. But let's be honest, early in that game, you know, we were all frustrated with him. We were all wondering why Houts spent the time putting together that cut-up last week. But when it mattered most, you know, he came up with that huge play. And, it, I mean, to me, it looked like it was a clear interception. I don't know what that line judge or, you know, the ref standing right in front of it saw. But what a heck of a play for Noah Igbenogany. Again, at what's 22 years old still? I mean, uh, this guy, we want to see him get these opportunities, make the biggest plays in them. And, I mean, you kind of expected him to have a little bit of an off game, right? He was going against Deontay Johnson and, you know, George Pickens is an absolute beast. I mean, I don't think that Byron Jones probably would have had any better luck. And, again, what a way to seal this game with the throwbacks on. Yeah, and this is, I mean, we go back to the book club, man, but this was the Noah Igbenogany workout plan. Like, we knew when he came in, there were going to be some bad moments. I think he allowed six receptions on eight targets and a touchdown uh, last night. But I think when we're sitting there at the end of the year, looking at the full, you know, uh, resume of work for this season, you look at the interception, you think about he played pretty well last year, and this isn't like vying for a starting job we're at the phase now we're still so early in this workout process we're just trying to you know show everyone i'm worth being on the team right that's all noah benakini wants to do it's not come out here and be a lockdown corner it's to show hey i belong in the nfl and to me man i think we're starting to see that i think it's important to keep in mind that there's going to be some ugly there's still always going to be some ugly i mean we see ugly from xavier howard but the fact we now see that you know there's so much pressure on this rock and we saw that those little shining glimpses in there that's enough hope to me that hey you know maybe he'll get some more opportunities down the road hopefully byron jones comes back but you know igbenogany down the road someone's a little injured has to come in for a game or two you could be comfortable and maybe he'll make another play who knows well, at this point, let's knock on wood, but it seems like, you know, we're definitely going to have to rely on Noeg Benogany at this point, right? I mean, it seems like this could be a guy that we see starting more often until some of these guys come back. But uh, like you mentioned, Jake, just making that big of a play in that moment. You did say we've seen some bad from Xavier Howard, but there is not there was not much bad last night. Nothing last night. I, mean, uh, I think it was Chris Collinsworth was kind of like, why does he keep asking me, like, why aren't they throwing to Xavier Howard? Because he was in any receiver that he lined up against, you know, in their pockets. So, um total I, I guess total team effort on defense right I mean we talked about how to, you need to get takeaways and you need to pressure Kenny Pickett and they did find a way to pressure Kenny Pickett despite Emmanuel Agba being out Javon Holland had a post game thing where he said you know Noah's godson and he's just going out there and making plays so I just thought it was awesome how these guys just rallied and you, you know got so excited for Noah Igbenogany making those plays but Jake we talked about how takeaways was going to be a key to this game let's talk about you know that way they hammered and you know attacked Kenny Pickett, Jalen Phillips stepped up big man and had himself a day, did he not? One and a half sacks, one and a half sacks for Jalen Phillips. I think that's his third straight week with a sack. He had eight total tackles, two tackles for a loss. Josh, I don't, I don't know if my eyes don't work as much as they used to, but to me, man, this seemed like a team that could not pressure their quarterback. It seemed like they could not get home to Kenny Pickett. It seemed like he was, uh, you know, in the pocket all day long, but you look at grades, you look at stats, Jalen Phillips looked great. Andrew Van Ginkle had 10 tackles. How does this happen? Is it, is it, were they walking that fine line so well where they were pressuring him just close enough where he'd make bad decisions and throw the ball into the interceptions? Or was it as simple as, you know, you're putting everyone in coverage, they had blanket coverage, and just waiting for Pickett to make a mistake? Your guess is as good as mine with some of that, because, I mean, these grades that go around, I mean, who knows? Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? But I thought Jalen Phillips, the way he was playing, man, was just crazy. He stuck out. Yeah. yeah, he definitely yeah. stuck out. And Zach Sealer, too. I mean, 
I, I did admittedly I had to go do daddy things at the beginning of the second half. So I missed, you know, the first defensive stand where, you know, Jalen Phillips just blew past in untouched because Zach Sealer took on two guys, had a tackle for loss there. Then Zach Sealer again blew through the middle and, you know, kind of forced the guy right into Jalen Phillips' lap. So um, to your point, Jake, I mean, I think it's just, you know, a rookie quarterback probably not trusting, you know, that he has the time being a little bit, you know, quick on his feet and trying to get rid of that football and sense and pressure that might not be there. So um, a man, you know, with Emmanuel Agba out, we thought the Dolphins defense would take a step back. And I mean, it almost seemed like they were getting at him a little bit more. And we saw Andrew Van Ginkle, you know, playing with his hair on fire. I mean, this was a guy who, you know, he had the appendix injury or the surgery in the all season, you know, kind of worked his way back in there. We needed him in this situation with Ogba out, and he definitely stepped up as well. He seems someone who's comfortable if, you know, what offense is trying to get you into trips and do like a bubble screen or just get the ball to a wide receiver quick and have the guys on the outside make some blocks. Van Giggle seems like he's like the perfect person to shuffle through those and still make those tackles in open space and I think the Dolphins have kind of missed that guy for a while uh so I mean to have him back and have double digit tackles man they he they unlocked Van Ginkle and he like you said his hair was on fire uh to stick with the linebacker group Josh to kind of wrap everything up on defense for another excellent excellent performance from this group who I mean we said it at the beginning of the year I don't think we were talking enough about this group I think they were going to be the group to carry Miami especially early in the season and it hasn't completely been that way but i think we're starting to see those flashes that made this group special a year ago uh josh i don't know how to talk about this because i, I love alandon roberts he's a team captain he tackled a dude through another dude but man there was one play where i actually <laughs> he wasn't covered and he absolutely eviscerated either a cornerback or a safety trying to make a tackle they both whiffed and and someone was just running away the o- open field and Duke Riley, on the other hand, is someone who I think is starting to stand out a little bit. That coverage linebacker who can play in space. Uh, He flashed with six tackles, a tackle for a loss. Just the way opposing teams run. I mean, I haven't seen the Dolphins struggle with running backs just kind of running up their gut like like a Landon Roberts would be good against. But Duke Riley, when you're facing these running backs who kind of get out in space or just teams that like to get the ball in space, he seemed to kind of show up when you need him the most. Yeah, they're kind of like peanut butter and jelly, right? I don't think that anybody would rather have Duke Riley in there in, you know, obvious run situations because let's, you mentioned, man, Atlanta Roberts is tackling dudes inside dudes. I mean, this is a guy that we all love, you know? He's a we leader. All, He's a kid. Yeah, we all yeah. root for him and we all just know how, I think he was the first guy that, you know, hit shake to his hand when he came running out the tunnel. So you just know what he means to that defense. But yeah, man, Duke Riley, this is a guy who I guess was more of a special teams contributor with his time in Philly. I mean, I know that his name mm-hmm. from there and we've seen the way he kind of progressed his game, but dude, in passing situations, it doesn't seem like the Dolphins are, you know, I guess with their back against the wall. I mean, in years past, it seemed like if there was a pass catch or any threat coming out of the backfield that we were just going to, you know, it was going to be a completion one way or the other. I mean, you can see these guys have really gotten better at it. And Duke Riley, I think in those key situations, definitely helps. I do wish we could see a little bit of Channing Tindall, though. I mean, I don't know where he's been. I admittedly don't know the snap counts for this week, but I want to see more Channing Tindall moving forward. But maybe that's a position the Dolphins end up addressing via trade or something in that aspect. That's kind of, that, I like that. That's kind of like the hope for Chan and Kendall, right? Like, this is a really lazy comp, but you kind of want, like, up, upgraded Duke Riley, like, Duke Riley, but you bought the battle pass. Is that a good way? Like, yeah, our hopes could be a hybrid of them. I, was, I thought you were going to say it was going to be like an Atlanta Roberts if you kind of just molded them together. You know, he could do some of those things in the run game right. that he can and he can also cover. So maybe that's what they're working towards. You know, that's the evolution, right? We always talk about Pokemon. That's that there final evolution. So 
to wrap up the defense here, I think it was also pretty cool when uh, Chris Consworth was talking about Howard. I think Marlon Humphrey came out and said that's exactly why, at the time, ex- that's exactly why Xavier Howard's in my top five. Except this he spelled his name wrong. <laughs> he did. I didn't see that. I I, I'm that. sorry. Exa- he did say Xavier, which was exactly what the ticker said on NFL Network over the weekend. So uh, maybe it was Xavier. And man, we're talking about the secondary. We got to at least send thoughts and prayers, right, man? Brandon Jones, he's been playing very good this year. And he went down. I thought Keaton Fajilium, I probably butchered that name and I shouldn't when he's making plays, but he had a couple plays, right, Jake, that, you know, kind of turned the game. The one was a fingertip touch that, you know, could have been a big play. So uh, it's always the next man up, dude. And I just can't believe, you know, again, we went unscathed through training camp and now it just seems like one domino continues to fall, but next man up, the Dolphins somehow get it done. Do we, do we have any thoughts, ideas, you know, we don't have inside info, but, but how, how do we feel about this Jones injury? Do we think it's like a long, like, do we think that, is there any hope we can kind of be sitting here in two weeks and saying, welcome back, Brandon Jones? Jones. Is it, is it Dr. Chow, the, the, you know, the guy that's well-respected and kind of, you know, looks at the pro Always football doc. Yeah. Pro football doc. He th- said he thought it was an ACL yesterday. So um, I haven't seen anything. I mean, honestly, there's probably a presser going on soon that they'll tell us, but um, it, it looked wor- pretty bad, but again, we're just sitting at home, armchair quarterbacks. We really have no idea. And our fake doctor's not here either. We got to mention that. We'll we'll have him on Wednesday, so stay tuned. So to wrap up this show, I think it's important. I think we've said this. This was a good win for the Dolphins. No matter how you want to slice it, if you want to be sassy and upset, you have all the right to in the world. But this is a team that's still working up towards being one of those top contenders in the AFC. They looked at it af- like a cu- after a couple weeks, but I think the injuries, I think other teams making adjustments – have really shown that, hey, this team has some things to work out, and I'm kind of confident they'll do it. But, Josh, I do want to get your thought on these couple plays that happened because Twitter coaches were up in arms. Mike McDaniel, he looked like a rookie head coach at times. That shouldn't be breaking news. Josh, third and fourth down in the middle of the third quarter, short yardage situations, two runs. It looked like the same play back-to-back times to Chase Edmonds. The Dolphins don't get it. They could have kicked a field goal, go up two scores make the score 19 to 10 share me your thoughts as that's happening because for me man above all else I was just mad at the play call than the actual decision to go for it Yo, I'm probably in the minority here but that was when I was doing daddy duty so I was trying to get my daughter to sleep so I was literally following along uh, on Twitter so I wasn't brokenhearted as much as you guys probably were watching it but when I went back and looked at it man I was just wondering what the heck he was thinking and I thought the same thing last week I think there was a fourth and two call where I thought they should have kicked the field goal at that point everyone you know corrected me and said the analytics say absolutely go for it in that situation but this one he came out post game and admitted you know I have guys in my ears telling me when when to go for things when not to they did not advise me to go for it on this play so um I did not like the decision to not make the two score game there and I did not like the play calls at all especially with Chase Edmonds who again you know has kind of been you know a little bit of a disappointment over these last few weeks I'll come back and report on this, but but I saw something on Twitter that there was actually like a it was the same play that Mostert was getting gashes on all game log, and instead of just running through the hold on the left like uh, Ed, uh, Mostert has been, Edmonds ran right into a pile. So it, it's possible Sounds that there's a right. huge. I, <laughs> well, I'm gonna report back on that. That I'll make that my homework going into Wednesday. But that's something to keep in mind. Uh, Josh, clock management before the half was a little rough. I mean, this was a team running around, uh, very confused when it had two timeouts. To me, again, it's a rookie head coach in rookie head coach situations. The fact you know you had a defense that played so well in, in week one, you had an offense that was w- scoring on just a play. So you didn't have to really see this stuff early on, but I think this should be expected. It was halftime. It's not like it was a do or die end of the game situation. 
Yeah, and I hate because it's going to be viewed as, you know, excuses. But again, it's what week seven. I mean, he's only called seven games in the NFL. And to think of all the different situations and, you know, the adversity. I was kind of thinking about today, Jake. Remember when Mike McDaniel said he wanted this team to face adversity? Has it not been all freaking downhill since he since he spoke that into existence? <laughs> Quite, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, this again, this is a, a rookie coach. There were some decisions that you absolutely scratched your head about. And you mentioned, you know, there's two different sides of this fan base right now. One that's sitting here, you know, excited, realizes that a win's a win. You know, style points don't matter. And another one that's you know down and angry like we lost this game I mean you can absolutely 100% you know no one can tell someone how to fan but you can absolutely sit here and say he made some plays but he did have a down game and then Mike McDaniel as well had some decisions that you would like back but if you can go out there and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers who again are not the same Steelers team again had a rookie quarterback in place and still come away with a 16 to 10 win when the Dolphins get healthy you know when they're not making these boneheaded clock management and play call decisions I mean is the sky not the freaking limit? And I'm, I'm getting goosebumps hyping myself up about it. But uh, yeah, man, four and three, there should be nobody, you know, hanging their head and we got a game to get right. And, you know, we're going to go against the Detroit Lions next week. Who uh, is that a Dan Campbell revenge game? <laughs> Every game is a revenge game. <laughs> well, you should definitely call it the Dan Campbell revenge game. But Josh, you, you make an excellent point and just compare it to last year. The Dolphins were one in seven and they just barely missed the playoffs. I think we're realizing in the NFL, every team is capable of going on a run. We saw the Jags, I think. What were they? Were they 3-0? and But they were 3-0, and 3-1, and somewhere along those lines. But it's about what's happening when everything isn't going right in the NFL. Because those are the different games, the different opportunities to win, where that's the difference in a season. That's how you win 14 games. You don't, you're not the Chiefs because everything goes right and you torch the opposing team every single game. It's because... If someone's coming back from a concussion, if you have all these hurt guys, if, if, if you can still win. And to me, this team is not the Bills. If I was right, if we wanted to sit here and compare them to the Bills, you score those three touchdowns in the first quarter, you put the nail in the coffin, the Dolphins aren't there yet. That's okay. We want them to be competing for that fifth, sixth spot. And to me, man, this team looks ready to do that. Yeah, no argument there. And we continue to talk about, you know, how much, you know, it takes these teams time to get in rhythm. You know, it takes these things. You don't know what it means, you know, when you're losing your quarterback every other game, you got this guy falling out of the lineup and this and that. So I'm excited, man. Could not be more hyped up for where we're at right now with this Miami Dolphins team. And honestly, man, I think uh, we said about all we can say for this podcast. Very good Sunday Night Football. That's all I have to say. It was a great time. And man, the three-game losing streak is sapped. It is time to look ahead to Detroit and get a new winning streak going. But we will get back to that on Wednesday because we are running out of time. I want to say thank you so much for everyone letting us be part of their Victory Monday. We won't tell anyone if this is actually your Victory Tuesday too, but thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Josh, thank you for joining me today. We will be back on Wednesday with our fake-ass Dr. Merrick Brave. But until then, hope everyone has a wonderful week and fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins.
as a dolphin, the greatest football team. We drink the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. Yes, we're the